welcome back. Welcome back to New World Next Week. I'm James Corbett of The Corbett Report. And I'm James Evan Pilato of Media Monarchy. Mexico's measures are not scientifically supported. We've got that story plus guerrilla gardening. However, we will begin with data, studies, and the UNIPCC all reveal Canadian fires not due to climate change. Grabbing this one from climatedepot.com. It's got a ton of links in it. Despite the scientific evidence, climate activists are still pushing a man-made climate change link to the Canadian wildfires that are currently stinking up half of America. Biden joined AOC in linking Canadian wildfires to climate crisis. Ocasio-Cortez has used the wildfires to push again for her signature Green New Deal. President Biden has joined AOC in linking the ongoing Canadian wildfires pouring smoke into the U.S. to the climate crisis. Quote, we've deployed more than 600 U.S. firefighters, support personnel, and equipment to support Canada as they respond to record wildfires, events that are intensifying because of the climate crisis, Biden totally tweeted by himself. But the wildfire data and scientific evidence and history reveal otherwise. Canadian National Fire Database data disputes climate link to fires Quote, there has been a significant and continuing decline in the number of fires and no discernible trend in the area burned, end quote. According to Canada's Department of Natural Resources, fires have been occurring for thousands of years in the boreal forests of eastern Canada, not exactly unprecedented. In addition, they call fire a primary change agent that is as crucial to forest renewal as, oh, just the sun and rain. Perhaps maybe not even a calamity. It appears that 2023 is on pace to be a year with unusually high number of fires. However, the previous year was historically low number of fires. Even the UN IPCC admits climate change doesn't increase forest fires, says Roger Pielke Jr., former chairman of the American Meteorological Society Committee on Weather Forecasting points out that the IPCC, quote, has not detected or attributed fire occurrence or area burn to human-caused climate change. Meanwhile, Alberta Premier Smith pledges arson investigation into 175 wildfires with no known cause. Alberta Premier Danielle Smith says her government will hire arson investigators from outside the province. Following an unseasonably early and destructive wildfire season, Smith said fires are easy to trace, such as when caused by railway accidents, lightning, or campfires, but it's unusual to have so many fires with no known calls. Mounties currently searching for a suspected arsonist following a fire in the Grand Prairie back alley. The fire department had responded to four suspicious fires in the preceding five days on Highway 16, about 40 minutes from the provincial capital of Edmonton. We are asking residents to report any suspicious behavior to RCMP. And several arsonists have been arrested in the past week in different provinces for lighting forest fires, but the lying woke media and politicians keep repeating that global warming is the cause. Cold Lake area man facing 10 arson charges after string of wildfires and blazes, this going way back to May 4th. That same nutball also tried to burn down a church. There are more arson arrest stories linked up at this article, lifesitenews.com. Media blames climate change for Canadian wildfires despite arrest of multiple arsonists. In recent months, RCMP have arrested several arsonists charged with lighting fires across several provinces, including Nova Scotia, Yukon, British Columbia, and Alberta. The motive behind lighting the fires is unclear. And some do say lightning. Lightning behind multiple Quebec fires, not coordinated arson. Newsweek Newspeak, has, however, has Canadian wildfires spark climate conspiracy theories. Spark 
climate conspiracies. <laughs> really, uh, really good one from the old classic conspiracy rag, Rolling Stone. They've got all the theories, James. UFOs, lasers, and Antifa arsonists. Wildfires spark new conspiracy theories. And one more conspiracy for you with a Twitter video. Retired Canadian firefighter claims he organized teams of highly trained firefighters to come in and help the Canadian government, but they said no. James. All right. A lot of craziness going on, obviously. And uh, you'll forgive me, I was busy traveling during when this story was peaking, so I missed whatever conspiracy chatter was going on online about what the real cause of this is. I'm sure there are many theories out there, and I'm sure our helpful listeners will inform us all about them in the comments. But having said that, I think this is another one of those stories where, yes, of course, it does matter what is actually causing this. But for the purposes of the agenda that is being pushed here, it doesn't really matter. Whether this is a natural phenomenon, arson, some sort of directed energy weapon, or something else, um, at any rate, they're going to push the climate change lie um, based on the spectacular events that we're seeing right now. And we know it is a lie, demonstrably so. Um, as as you say, this uh, Climate Depot post we're linking to has lots and lots of links to lots and lots of different articles and information and um, posts by various government agencies and others saying there is no discernible trend, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so no, we know that these forest fires are not being sparked by the 0.6 degrees Celsius of warming over the past 50 years, plus or minus 0.6 degrees Celsius margin of error or whatever nonsense they're trying to tell us with their fake, phony, statistical fudged numbers. Um, so we know that it isn't about that, but they're going to push that regardless of whatever is causing this, and we have to completely and 100% on its face totally reject that lie, call it out for the lie that it is, and stop people from repeating that lie, because it is the basis for the future. And we know, we know where this is heading. This is the climate lockdown idea. This is, you have been trained to go into your house, wear your mask, and wait for further instructions from the government. And this is the one of the many steps along the way. I don't think this is going to be the event to usher in the Great Reset, but it is one of the things along the way that they will point to in the future. So we have to completely, totally, 100% reject the climate change lie that is being propounded on the back of this. And, well, let's find out what's really going on. And I'm certainly interested in hearing more about the various investigations, arson and otherwise, into the real origins of these. Meanwhile, James, back in California, Mark Crispin Miller's actually recently been talking about those weird wildfires from a couple of years ago. One of his recent posts, how could they be forest fires if the forests weren't on fire? Again, if you saw the pictures of... Maybe the houses burnt down, but the trees didn't, or vice versa. Just really strange-looking photos, again, that bring up lots of speculation about directed energy weapons that I would have said no way to when it's Judy Wood 20 years ago and 9-11, but I don't, I don't think we can throw out any of the questions anymore, James. And, of course, always watch what the insurance corps are up to, or more maybe precisely what they're not up to. The real reason State Farm won't sell home insurance in California anymore as it relates to the wildfires, but of course also the woke Democrat policies and all of that culture war, two-party illusion kind of stuff. So that's not that good, James. Let's see, let's see if we can do a little better good news-wise here on our second story of the grand return of New World Next Week. I believe this is episode 520. If you're keeping score at home, meet the Gorilla Gardeners who come in peace to revive our streets. Pretty interesting stuff from the Times. 
From a green oasis in an alley in Liverpool to a lavender field in the middle of a busy South London road, guerrilla gardening is blooming across Britain. Planting in neglected grot spots without the permission of local authorities took off about two decades ago in earnest, but recently the practice has graduated to the mainstream. A weed-packed garden designed by guerrilla gardener Tayshan Hayden-Smith featured at last month's prestigious Chelsea Flower Show after he won an award there the previous year. Richard Reynolds, meanwhile, gets a lot of credit for starting guerrilla gardening in 2004, wrote a book on the subject, said that the practice had evolved from something done covertly and anxiously to something explicitly approved of or conveniently tolerated by landowners. In the last few months, people have been out and proud, he said. Remember, it is, it is Pride Month. <laughs> when the former advertising executive wrote his book in 2008, many of the people featured only had their first name used to preserve their anonymity. Now, 20 years later, Reynolds and Friends well, rather, 20 years ago. They were using all the, like, war language and calling each other troops. And at one point, they had what are called seed bombs. Pretty fun idea. It's a ball of clay and compost and seeds, and all you do is toss it on a neglected site so at least plants and other flowers can start to grow there, and maybe your city won't look like a ghost town. Some guerrilla gardening took place at night to avoid the censure of local authorities. Some councils now have actively encouraged such gardeners for years. Lambeth in South London has provided soil and timber and even commissioned Reynolds to give presentations. He no longer seed bombs. He says it's largely ineffective and hasn't planted at night in secret for years. Part of the growing normalization and tolerance of the practice stems from social media, Reynolds says. Email newsletters and forums, oh, that's all hokey grandpa stuff. They've given way to people doing it on Facebook and Twitter on Instagram probably on Telegram and other platforms as well. I think it's made it much easier for people to share and in turn influence and normalize, he says. Guerrilla gardening may have become less radicalized. James, a similar situation in Canada, but for actual therapeutic use from the Winnipeg Free Press, Hope Blossoms in Community Gardens, and just right this week in my own archives at MediaMonarchy.com from seven years ago this week, Gardens More Powerful Than Presidents. It was an episode of my Good News Next Week series based off a classic, fantastic piece at ActivistPost.com, Gardening More Meaningful Than Voting in a Rigged Political System, which actually describes, and we'll take it even further, propaganda gardening, a combination of guerrilla gardening and political protest, developing self-sufficiency while making a simple yet bold statement about the world we all share and the rules we choose to live by. James? Excellent. Well, this is a story coming from an MSM propaganda rag, so I think we have to understand the way they're framing it. And the way that they frame it, of course, is that this was some crazy, radical, weird, fringe idea that what didn't have the approval of local councils, but now councils are getting on board with it, and now it's more normalized and mainstream and less radicalized, so it's okay to garden. Well, Whatever, whatever way they're trying to frame it, I'll take it. Because yes, this is a absolutely great step in the right direction. Propaganda gardening is a great way of, of phrasing it. Because yes, this is, um, it's about the, the basic idea of self-sufficiency. But it's about so much more than that. It can be about healing, about actually getting your hands dirty in the soil, raising life from the soil to understand and reconnect with the abundance of, of the earth. Which is, I think 
to the good. But also, yes, it definitely shows that what we do in the real world and the things that we foster into existence have more meaning than the shadows on the cave wall that we cast our votes in the, uh, in the slave suggestion box every few years. Um, I, I think it's a win all around the fact that this is being normalized and mainstreamed. And like everything else, you have to worry about them basically selling you the fake um, instead of and stealing the real, as you often say. Um, but anyway, uh, there are great ideas embedded in here, like the seed bombs um, that I, I talked about in my Guerrilla Gardening podcast many years ago. I know you've talked about Johnny Hempelseed going across the U.S. or wherever else spreading nature's uh, medicine weed, wherever he goes. Uh, these are ideas that are out there that should be picked up on and should be forwarded. So it's good to see that uh, this is getting some recognition. It strikes me as sort of like trying to get in front of the parade and go, hey, look, we're leading this parade. It's it's okay to like this now. <laughs> well, we don't need your permission. We're going to do it anyway. I, and of course, even think about this, the, the reverse psychology of, oh, the mainstream likes it? Well, I'm not going to be involved right. in that anymore because it's <laughs> lame now. Really interesting stuff, James. And semi-related food news. This one really kind of jumps out at me because it just seems rather surprising. Instant Pot. I know there are many people out there who have an Instant Pot. This thing came out about a decade ago. It's basically a programmable pressure cooker and can do all kinds of other things. Instant Pot and Pyrex maker called Instant Brands filed for bankruptcy. Instant Brands, maker of the Instant Pot pressure cooker and Pyrex glassware, filed for bankruptcy on Monday after high interest rates and the pandemic's gnarled supply chain drained its cash, making its debts unsustainable. Because as I joked on my morning show, yeah, making your own food and being able to store it in a glass container, that's lame. Again, they've got lab-grown goop for you instead. But it basically looks like it could be the Federal Reserve. I blame the Federal Reserve maybe for this situation, James. Maybe we'll see exactly what happens. I don't see them exactly disappearing. Maybe like what happens when other places go out of business, someone else can essentially buy the intellectual property and start start making start making Twinkies again. That story happened several years back. We actually rock two instant pots here in the house. Again, going back to simple things you can do to just do it yourself. Cassie's been making broth at home for probably decades, long before actually she and I were even together. So there's always one Instant Pot going with homemade broth going in one of them. So maybe we need to start stocking up on those. I don't know if there'll be a blowout, if they'll be harder to find, if places will jack up the prices. I don't I don't know what exactly will we'll shake out of this in, in the short term, but maybe stock up on Instant Pots and of course in incandescent bulbs as well. One more bit of hopefully good news. I, I know this sounds a little bad for our third story, but st stick with me here. Canada joins U.S. trade complaint against Mexico's GMO corn ban. From Finance Yahoo, Canada will join a trade dispute initiated by the U.S. over Mexico's restrictions on genetically modified corn imports. Canada shares the concerns of the U.S. that Mexico's measures are not scientifically supported and have the potential to unnecessarily disrupt trade in the North American market. Trade Minister Mary No and Agriculture Minister Marie Claire Bibeau said in a statement Friday. Again, this is this is U.S. and Canada again joining together. The minister said Canada will participate as a third party in the dispute settlement consultations and will continue to work with Mexico and the U.S. towards an outcome that preserves trade predictability and market access for our farmers and exporters. 
Last week, U.S. Trade Representative Catherine, Catherine Tai requested dispute settlement consultations with Mexico under the U.S.-Mexico-Canada Agreement. Not sure if that's related to our three amigos of decades past and all those free trade agreements that they, that they passed, you know, under the cover of all the distraction of the War of Terror. Mexico, of course, is the second largest market for American corn, where it is largely used for animal feed. American officials have repeatedly criticized the Mexican government's GMO corn prohibition, calling it unscientific. James, I like to think that this is good news, I think, because it helps further expose the complete GMO fraud. Trust the scientism, James. Yeah, exactly. No, okay, so this is a good story. You have just brought it to my attention, so you'll forgive me for not having already done the legwork on the specific trade dispute mechanisms embedded in this U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement. Is that the mm -hmm. official title, or are they talking about That's, NAFTA? Yeah, is there something know. else? Yeah, so there needs to be some... I need to do some digging on this to find out the specifics of it, but I'm not exactly holding my breath that whatever trade dispute mechanism is embedded in this document is going to be... Um, a neutral arbiter and will allow Mexico to do whatever it wants with its imports. I'm assuming there is going to be some strong, strong arming, if it even really gets to that phase, because there's all sorts of diplomatic and financial strong arming that the U.S. and Canada, I guess, can do um, to basically force their goods into Mexico against their will. But at any rate, the fact that there is pushback is is hopeful in and of itself. And as you say, the real win here is the bringing this to the public's attention win of, oh, hey, why why is Mexico doing this? They're just totally anti-scientific weirdos. There could be no possible reason to not trust GMO. Oh, wait. So yes, you have uh, documented this at, uh, at great length. I have documented this at great length. Please search GMOs on either of our websites for many, many, many stories about this in the past, but yes, there are reasons, and scientific reasons even, why we should be concerned about the GM monstrosities that are being fed to us. But we should not be holding our breath that our government is going to protect us and institute some sort of trade import regulation that's going to make this all go away. No, that is exactly why, related to story number two, we need to be taking matters into our own hands, literally, with the heirloom seeds and growing our own food and supporting local farmers and farmer markets and what have you, so that we know what it is that we're eating, rather than relying on some trade dispute mechanism to settle something about imports from so that you can get processed crap from some corporation that's feeding you garbage anyway. I don't think that's the uh, solution to this. But at any rate, yes, this is a propaganda win of sorts, because at the very least, it is putting the issue back in front of the people. And it's up to everyone who hears this message to decide for themselves what they are going to put into their body and under what circumstances. There it is. James, I told pretty much m most of the exciting origin story of Media Monarchy when I was on with Ernest Hancock of Freedoms Phoenix. I believe I took one of your time slots, actually, while you were away. I will include that link to the interview MP3, MP4 here in the show notes. Meanwhile... Catching up on New World Next Week store orders, of course, newworldnextweek.com is your source for Corporate Report DVDs, USBs, Media Monarchy, radio plays, and hats and caps, and all the other ways that you can spread the word about the work that we do here. And uh, again, another way to support physical media and all those things that, again, we, James, we've been talking about for a long, long time. We are also a little behind, still catching up on the snail mail as well. A, again, a huge thanks for people's support. If you don't do PayPal or Patreon, or maybe you've been kicked off of platforms and you can't support Corbett that way or what, 
the mailbox is a great way. But I do want to remind folks, the new almost year old P.O. Box address, I'm going to ask Brock to put it down here on the screen, the new P.O. Box address. It'll be on screen. It'll be in the show notes. It'll be listed at the New World Next Week store. And it's at the bottom of every page at the Media Monarchy website. Again, to support both of our fear-free, ad-free bit of work, James, that was a nearly almost good news, episode 520, for a nice little welcome back after a few weeks break. How were your world travels? Uh, Busy, hectic, frantic, uh, but productive, and uh, I still have tons of stuff from that trip that will be coming out in the future, so people just stay tuned to the feeds for that. But uh, yeah, we're back on track, and uh, we'll be back next week, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Great. Well, then we'll we'll do it again next week. James, thanks for these stories. All right. Thank you so much, man. Take care. Take care.